0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
1: Welcome back. We're switching gears a bit, but something that's uh, maybe a little bit related to this because we're talking about vaccinations. A lot of people who believe or don't believe in traditional Western medicine don't believe in vaccinations as well. But uh, I am here with our trusted contributor, John Papasturgio, from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. And uh, immunizations and booster shots are not just for kids. Many of us already get our annual flu shot from the local pharmacy, but there are other immunizations and vaccinations coming that we as adults should be talking about. So how can we help, John?
2: It's great to be back, Libby, and, you know, just uh, listening to your conversation earlier, uh, you know, I I hear the story and I think, wow, there's a vaccine for this, you know, and uh, for meningitis, for meningitis, right? And and uh, most kids will get it, and there are still parents that you know have issues with vaccination. But when I hear that, it just really disappoints me. I mean there's so many of these myths flying around, around vaccination. And I think it's important that we address some of them. Um, I think uh, there's still the myth that vaccines cause autism, right?
1: That has been disproved so many, so many times.
2: times. Absolutely. But it's still out there. And I hear it in the pharmacy, right? And I, and, and even parents with good intentions will still ask me, you sure it's okay to give, uh, you know, the vaccine? I, I, I have this concern around autism. And, you know, much of my time is spent kind of debunking that myth. So that's still out there. Do you succeed? I think so. I mean, uh, not always. Not always, right? I mean, all we could do is give a strong recommendation and kind of hope that the uh, uh, parents kind of make the you know the, the decision that we feel is right and supported by medicine and evidence. And uh, unfortunately, it's not always the case. And we saw. I
1: it to me, you know, sometimes when I talk to people about this, it's almost it's like a fundamentalist religion, and they will believe strongly in things that have no evidence behind them.
2: You described it perfectly. It's It almost evokes an emotional response in people, which I find that very hard to believe. And I see, I mean, I see it all the time. People get angry at us, particularly d- during flu season, you know, and I, I'm, you know, it, we make recommendations based on evidence. And uh, I think that's what our job is. But uh, you're right. Some people have these emotional beliefs. I mean, we one of the other things we hear is, uh, you know, you no longer need vaccines because the diseases have been eradicated. And that's not true. You <laughs> well, think, guess
1: you know, why it was eradicated? And that's right
2: so you, you, if enough people stop getting vaccinated these uh diseases aren't gone though they're re look right?
1: at what's happening with the measles exactly it's i was going to
2: say that in disney world we saw measles outbreak right it's very easy this stuff could come back so you know i urge patients uh, and, and parents make sure you get your kids vaccinated i mean if you're concerned about a contraindication speak to your pharmacist or doctor another big one is egg allergies right so patients think they have a an intolerance or an allergy to eggs they think i can't get vaccinated that's not true either uh, we can't give many vaccines still even for more you know moderate or severe allergies we'll do it in the physician's office but you can't still get vaccinated i mean for patients with anaphylactic egg allergies we wouldn't do it but it's something to discuss uh, with your pharmacist or your physician and not just avoid getting vaccinated because okay. of that
1: okay john let's let's give out the numbers in case people have questions about vaccinations and what vaccinations so they are 416 360 or toll-free 866 740 We're talking about vaccinations. We're talking about booster shots with our trusted contributor, John Papasturgio, from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Now, I got all my vaccinations ages ago. So... I would have thought I was done, but I'm not done, am I?
2: That's right. So yeah, some, some of the vaccines will ev- eventually start to wane, right? And uh, they need boosters. And uh, uh, you know, an, an important one is uh, uh, you know, uh, TD. You got to get that every 10 years, right? So um, if you ever uh, get a cutter or, or whatever and end up in the emergency room, they'll ask you, when's the last time you had your TD shot, right? TD? Uh, yeah, it's uh, an injection against, uh, uh, you know, if you hit a rusty nail. Is or it whatever. tetanus? Tetanus, yeah. yeah. I, that's the acronym for the actual vaccine, right? Yeah, so uh, uh, you know your tetanus needs a booster, right? And uh, if you're not getting that, uh, uh, you're putting yourself at risk. That's an example of uh, of one of them. certain vaccines need annual uh, vaccination. Flu is a good example, yeah. right? So um, if you're uh, if you're uh, uh, you know at high risk for complications of the flu, seniors, just everyone really in general should be getting their flu shot every year. And I find uh, patients, I see them in the pharmacy, they've gotten their flu shot like two years ago. They, I don't. Needed. i got a couple of years ago no i mean the immunity will wear off so you've got to get that vaccine every year right and there's many of these vaccines uh hepatitis vaccines. i right? really
1: want to ask about that because we see ads on television that's right and uh i think it's called a twin vaccine right. and it's for for hepatitis a and that's b right. and it says well if you're traveling to certain places you can you can get it In a whole variety of ways, you know, if you get a pedicure or if you drink the wrong thing. That's right. But I think... Uh, you know, I, I can't remember where I was reading this that, like, maybe you need it anyway, even if you're not traveling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it doesn't hurt to get it. It protects you both against hep A and B. Um, hep A is foodborne. So if you're traveling around and you could actually get it orally, and that's a concern, right, from uh, uh, certain countries. Hep B, you know, is blood uh, transmitted and a little bit less uh, common or more difficult to, to acquire. But, again, we have a vaccine for it. Generally, you'll get the Twinrix vaccine. If you've had it a long time ago, the best bet, uh, if you go to your physician's office, they could do titers now and they could tell if you still have immunity based on your blood work, right? So that's what I recommend to patients if they can't remember if they've been vaccinated or they can't remember how long ago. And what will happen is you just get re-immunized and, and, and you'll, you know, you'll get that immunity again. Uh, a great idea for people traveling, high-risk patients, immunocompromised patients. It's something they should definitely consider.
1: Because it's interesting. I mean – When we talk about other hepatitis, hepatitis C, which is dangerous, you know, for people in our age group, baby boomers. Yep. Uh, I hope I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are a baby mover. <laughs> right. um, it, it's it's very common, and people don't even know they have it.
2: They don't know they have it, and it could potentially cause very, very serious consequences, right? Um, untreated hepatitis C over time potentially could cause liver dysfunction, liver failure in patients. So, um, you know, hep C, uh, uh, unfortunately, doesn't have a vaccine, right? Uh, we have A and B, yeah. but uh, uh, there are... Uh, Oral agents now, actual drugs that are available to treat hepatitis uh, C as well, and they're very, very good And actually cure it. And cure it. And they're they're great drugs, very expensive. They're this new class of uh, uh, drugs uh, that we're seeing more and more of in our pharmacies, but uh, the costs are enormous. So better to prevent, obviously, than have to treat, right?
1: Okay, so what are some of the other vaccinations that we are soon going to be able to get in our
2: pharmacies? Great question. So uh, uh, over the last few years, we've been able to immunize for one uh, one vaccine just for flu. So uh, I think many patients have come into their pharmacies to get their flu shot. We had great success with that program. I think last year we immunized over a million patients in Ontario. So... Um, Obviously, the convenience, accessibility, people are taking advantage of, of that. So now we've uh, we know very very shortly we'll be able to vaccinate for an additional thirteen disease states. So thirteen more vaccines. So we're going to see things like meningococcal vaccination that we talked about earlier. We'll have that. Uh, uh,
1: let Let yeah. me ask a question about that. So is that only something that children should get, or?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. I, I, high risk patients, even adults, could get immunized for that as well. Uh, Who, who's uh, high risk? Uh, you know, immunocompromised patients, HIV patients, patients with uh, uh, liver issues, renal dysfunction, patients taking uh, therapies that may suppress their immune system, and there's, you know, uh, uh, cancer therapies, for example. So uh, there's uh, groups of patients that would qualify for that, but uh, uh, definitely something to consider. Uh, A pneumococcal vaccine, so uh, uh, very important uh, in our senior population. Generally, we recommend anyone over 65 years of age get a pneumovax vaccine. What what is that? It's uh, prevention. Uh, pneumococcal pneumonias, so these pneumonias, but uh, also more serious invasive diseases like this bacteria uh, can actually get into your bloodstream and and cause uh, consequences, can even cause uh, meningitis, a different type of meningitis. So, um, you know, very important that uh, uh, seniors get that once they're 65.
1: Okay, let's uh, just uh, take a call here. We've got Margaret in Kitchener. Hi, Margaret. Hello.
3: um Hello. I I remember when I was young, I wasn't able to start school for two years because of all the measles, like the the bad measles, and the whooping cough, and I forget the the other one, scarlet I don't fever maybe. Now. anyways, and pe- people just don't realize how bad it was. Uh, it was so bad that almost every second house had a, a um. What do you call it, sign on the door? Um, quarantine? Yeah, right, quarantine. Every second house and kitchen are here. It was bad, and everybody was so sick. And um, I, I never was able to start school until I was almost eight because I had uh, measles, whooping cough, uh, you name it. Everybody, almost all the kids had it, and then they come out with the vaccines. Like, I'm 85 now. You bring
2: up a really good point. And this is one of the arguments we hear uh, against those patients that are uh, vaccine hesitant. It's, uh, you know, our society really hasn't seen many of these diseases because we've been able to eradicate them. But if you witnessed polio, you know, uh, some of these diseases that we, you know, were just devastating – People were lining up to get vaccinated. I remember during the H1N1 outbreak, right, like uh, uh, people, again, got real nervous. They were lining up because they saw the consequences. I I was working at Sunnybrook Hospital during SARS, right? At that time, there was no vaccine. But I'm sure if there was, we'd have lineups for vaccination, right? So you bring up a very good point that, you know, I think our society hasn't really seen the consequences of some of these diseases. And
1: and we don't remember. Margaret, thank you so much for reminding us of how bad it was because people take it for granted.
2: Uh, So So, so, some of the other uh, kind of uh, vaccines, yeah.
1: Why don't we take a short break and we'll get to some of the other vaccines when we come back.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back.
1: I am here with John Papasturgio, trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking about vaccinations and immunizations. And we have a question on Twitter, but before I take it, I'm going to remind people that in addition to the phone lines and the phone numbers are 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740, you can also email us fightback at zoomer.ca or get in touch with us, with us through Twitter at fightbacklibby. And our question on Twitter is, shouldn't we research each vaccine and not just blindly take them as all necessary and
2: good, John. If people could understand how much research goes into these vac- vaccines, uh, I think there's this misconception that they just kind of – someone decides that the vaccine's available and uh, uh, we start injecting people. Absolutely not. They have to go through clinical trials. Um, uh, they're tested. Before they come to market, there's usually a huge period of time, you know, that uh, uh, the vaccines uh, – uh, it becomes established. So uh, I think that's one of those, these other myths. You know, we, 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 we have to be aware that just like any other medication, vaccines go through a lot of testing and they're probably scrutinized even more than oral medication. So um, good question, but I think that's already being done.
1: Uh-huh. And... Um, Is there any kind of um, contraindication? Like, can you, are there some vaccines that you shouldn't take together or anything like that? Yeah, I
2: mean, there's, you know, there are contraindications for sure. I mean, uh, uh, some people, uh, if they've been vaccinated before and had a really bad reaction, we may not consider giving a vaccine, severe egg allergies for certain vaccinations. Uh, Certain vaccines are considered live vaccines. So uh, most vaccines just take parts of a virus and they incorporate it in the vaccine enough to Kind of stimulate your immune system, but some immunocompromised patients may not be able to take a live vaccine, for example, right? Because it may cause an active. Uh, What's the impact. difference
1: between a live so vaccine? So a live and not?
2: vaccine. Uh, so what what we do? Most vaccines are are not live; they're inactivated. So they take uh, some part of the virus, maybe the you know the cell membrane or whatever. They 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 kind of mash up the virus and they put that 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 part in the vaccine, and that's what kind of gets your immune system to recognize it, right? Because it's really the response of your immune system what's important. Some other vaccines, we call them live uh, attenuated or inactivated vaccines. What they do is uh, they take a, a live virus and they just make it weaker. So in most patients, it won't cause a full infection. But if you're immunocompromised, you have some underlying health issues. You, those you may not be a candidate for that vaccine because um, your immune system may be too weak that even the the weakened uh, virus could still cause an active infection. So oh. you have to you have to ask about that. And the physicians and pharmacists are aware of that, anyways.
1: Okay, uh, let's take a call. We have Sharon in Jacksons Point. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Libby.
4: Welcome home. Thank you. Um, I'm calling uh, about the same thing that your last caller, Margaret, was mentioning. Um, In the 1940s, we went to school. We were vaccinated at school. And the public health nurses would come in with great regularity. Um, In my case, they all left with bite marks on their hand. Um, But we got our booster shots and our vaccinations at school. Um, Now, 40 years later, when my children were young... I would take them wherever I could, especially my son, to get the mumps so that he would get them as a child. Um, is that a form of vaccination?
2: He, he would get vaccinated against the mumps? Oh, yeah, absolutely. M- uh, measles, mumps, rubella, we vaccinated against that in early childhood, right? That's one of well, the no, common I would, vaccines. I
4: would find out where there was mumps, where there were measles, where there was uh, chickenpox. And I would take my children. Oh, no, no. Remember the, yes. that
1: thing? You take your kids so they get they them. They get it. That That's was very common right. with so chicken pox. Yeah.
4: No, you know, so there was no uh, worry about getting, um, getting them as they were older. I didn't get chickenpox until I was 35, and that ended in pneumonia.
2: That's right. So uh, I, I remember it more commonly with chickenpox. There was there and wasn't. The, I that think vaccine. measles
1: and mumps too, y- yeah. because they can it can result in infertility. That's
2: right. So uh, I, I, w- oh. with, when I was growing up, there was a measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, but no no uh, chickenpox vaccine. So that was very common. If a kid in the neighborhood had chickenpox, everyone would go hang out with them, because if you get chickenpox earlier on it generally doesn't tend to cause any serious consequences right as you're older and you get chickenpox, it could be much more severe we're lucky there's a vaccine against that now as well so there is a chicken pox vaccine that's available as well and uh, adults that haven't had the chicken pox uh, growing up we recommend they get vaccinated against and it's on our list as pharmacists as well
4: well because they did end up with uh, that horrible rash that
2: yeah, rash. And other up. times, it could even co- cause more more serious consequences than just a rash. Definitely. No, no, no.
4: You know the um, the very painful. Um, oh, you're oh, talking you about shingles. 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 A, there's
1: a vaccine for that too. There's another one that
2: was on my list. So shingles. Uh, 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 that's kind of a. Uh, the manifestation of a reactivated chickenpox infection. So as we get older, um, your immune system tends to get a little bit weaker. And if you've had chickenpox once in your life, that virus doesn't actually disappear. It kind of hangs out in your body. And uh, there is a chance if you have a stressful situation, something happens to you, you get ill, that uh, it could come back. But now it doesn't cause chickenpox. It causes shingles, which is that that very painful, blistery rash. And we have a vaccine against it. the government announced that it's going to be covered now for seniors it's, as well.
1: It's only covered if you're between the ages of 65 and 70, That's which right. has caused some consternation. Const-
2: yeah, because there is some evidence that even uh, after the age uh, 50, 55, it does it does give you some benefits. So, um, uh, I recommend patients get it as early as they can. You know, uh, if you're 50 and you think you're at risk. I would get it. It uh, there is quite a bit of evidence to suggest that uh, it provides value even in that age group as well.
1: Well, and you know what? If you uh, if you have an extended health plan, plan, yes, it's usually covered under that. I know that that for some people, and I know I, we spoke to seniors over seventy who also want it and they're finding it very difficult to afford it. That's
2: right. And it, I think it, uh, it, what the value of us being able to do this in the pharmacy is uh, that that vaccine requires very specific storage. Uh, uh, it has to be refrigerated. Uh, You've got to get it to your doctor's office quickly. Uh, it was a pain for patients. Now we'll be able to just uh, uh, vaccinate patients uh, hopefully very soon in the pharmacy for that, and hopefully vaccination rates will go up.
4: Okay. Well, the $200 fee
2: is... Um, A week's groceries or more. That's uh, right, but for 65 or older, it's going to be covered. uh, 65
4: to 70. 70, yeah,
2: Yeah, 70. That's right. When you're over
4: 75, it's a very expensive deal.
1: I agree with you there, and and, uh, I hope that down the road, uh, the government will reconsider that that. age age cap. Sharon, thanks for your call.
4: Thank you for taking it. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Ed in Toronto? Yes. Hi.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: Fine, how are you?
0: Good as can be expected. I just had a question for uh, the pharmacist there about vaccinations. There was uh, during that H1N uh, uh, vaccination or the scare of the H1N, uh, a couple of the batches apparently. And I don't know if this was completely isolated or corrected, but uh, some people got the Guillain-Barr syndrome. Uh, from the vaccination, and they claimed it was uh, bad batches or something. Uh, what was ever done about that? Because they quietened it up uh, quite quickly after it came to light, eh?
2: Yeah, Guillain-Barré syndrome is is uh, can be a consequence of vaccination. We don't really know exactly what happens, but it can be severe in some patients, and it tends to happen after certain vaccines. I do recall after H1N1 there were there were some cases uh, of Guillain-Barré, and, and for for the listeners that don't know, it almost could cause a muscle paralysis in 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 some patients. It's very severe. Very severe. Yeah, very, very rare. I think we have to emphasize that. Uh, we, you know, it is very rare. Um, in, in, you know, specific to the case you're asking, I'm not sure what happened. Um, I know that's something that we, we uh, uh, it's one of the contraindications to, to vaccination, pretty much most vaccines. If you've had a, a case of Guillain-Barre, we wouldn't vaccinate you. Um, but again, I think there needs to be some work done to better understand that. But I think we should emphasize that this is something that occurs very, very rarely.
1: Okay, Ed, thanks for your call. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We have a question on Twitter, and the question is, can too much immunization compromise the immune system?
2: It's a good question, right? Uh, uh, I hear that all the time in the pharmacy as well, that if I get too many vaccines, it's going to weaken my immune system. We have to understand how the vaccines work, and I touched upon that. The vaccines are the ones that are actually... uh, Mobilizing your immune system. They're making it stronger, right? Because they're a- a- exposing your immune system to these parts of virus, right? And, and when uh, your immune system recognizes those, it- it's ready to prounce, you know? It's, uh, it's active and ready to go, and it's able to clear the infection before it causes any serious symptoms. So absolutely not. I think uh, the vaccines do the opposite. They, they-, they-, they prep your-, your immune system to handle these type of diseases.
1: Okay, so why don't you uh, finish your list of some of the vaccinations we will soon be able to get yeah, in our Yeah, that's
2: right. So we talked about uh, hep, hep A and B, uh, the shingles vaccine we mentioned, that's coming uh, on our list. Uh, uh, HPV, so Gardasil, there was an announcement that boys are going to be eligible to get this as well in Ontario very soon, so it, it protects you against herpes. Uh, um, we'll be, be able to do that in the pharmacies as well.
1: And what is the age for that? It's 12. It's something.
2: 12, yeah. And I think for boys, if I recall, I, I'm not sure what's what's going to be covered as of yet, but I have a feeling it might be boys greater than eight, but uh, we, we should check on that. Yeah, It's, uh, uh, unfortunately in, in the pharmacies, we're not sure who we're going to be able to vaccinate as of yet. All That legislation hasn't been written yet, so we kind of have a list of drugs that uh, or vaccines that are going to be available to the pharmacist. The specific criteria uh, around those vaccinations haven't been released yet, but hopefully we'll know shortly. Yeah,
1: you know we can cover that in another another another, episode. Yeah, when we
2: get the details. But I think the key point here is we were very very successful with uh, flu, and hopefully this drives more Ontarians into the pharmacy to get vaccinated because of the you know the convenience and accessibility. And on the other end, it really helps lighten the load on the physicians, they're really there to manage kind of the, the chronically ill, more difficult patients. Uh, uh, something as simple as vaccination pharmacy could definitely manage it.
1: And, and it's like, honestly, really, like, do you really want to go to a doctor's office and wait for however long it might be just to get a shot?
2: No. And if you think of the process right now, you've got to come to the pharmacy so you make an appointment, go to your doctor who recommends a vaccine. You gotta come back to the pharmacy, get the vaccine, make another appointment, go back to your doctor. For those people that are very, very busy, it's inconvenient. Right now, you could come into the pharmacy, get your vaccine. I mean, we're not gonna be able to prescribe vaccination, but many vaccines are available over the counter, right? So think, So there's really? a, yeah, oh yeah, 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 like Love. Twinrix, Ducarol, uh, the hep oh, vaccines. What's you know?
1: what's Ducarol? Tell us Ducarol's, about that.
2: Uh, the oral one. Uh, so it's an oral travel vaccination, it prevents against cholera and traveler's diarrhea. It's, uh, it's great because it's easy to take. All you do is if you're going somewhere to the Caribbean, uh, you know, a, a country that puts you at risk for traveler's diarrhea, all you do— Mexico. Mexico. India. India, Boy. all these places, yeah. And uh, all you do is you take, a uh, you know, an oral dose of the vaccine uh, about two weeks before you go one week later you take a second dose and then you're protected it's very easy to take very few side effects it's not 100% uh, effective so you could still go down you still got to follow those rules you know make I sure was your going food's to cooked ask. yeah no it, street food that's right cuz it's only covering you f- over certain strains and i hear this oh i went down and i got so sick right i go yeah but you still got to be careful right but it does provide some ac- uh, added protection
1: and I, I had no idea that was over-the-counter.
2: Over-the-counter. You just come into your pharmacy and ask for it, yeah. Yeah, right now, with these other ones I mentioned, even though they were always available, you didn't need a prescription, we couldn't inject you with them yet. Now, as the legislation changes, we'll be able to do the, the vaccinations as well.
1: And what is the timeline for this?
2: We don't know. I, well, hopefully soon. I keep hearing soon, right? It was great that the, the announcement came out that, you know, these uh, 13 uh, disease states will be covered. Um uh, we're at opa cautiously optimistic that we'll be you know in the next few months but uh, we don't know for certain yet
1: and is it all the travel vaccines that will be covered?
2: Uh, the ones that I mentioned, there's still, there's still uh, you know, things like yellow fever will be covered, rabies vaccines, uh, uh, will be able to do uh, Japanese encephalitis. Uh, there are other vaccinations that we, you know, are beyond our scope, and uh, you'll still have to go to a travel medicine clinic to get them. Uh, but I think the most common ones are on the list. I mean, we have a pretty good list there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, if, if you had so many people taking up the flu vaccine, you, you might end up being busy giving shots.
2: Oh, yeah. I think uh, already, I mean, during flu season, I've adjusted the workflow in my pharmacy. I have an extra pharmacist on just giving flu shots. We gave in in my pharmacy this year, and I thought it was a little bit of a slower flu season. We gave over 2,000 vaccinations. So um, it's busy. You've got lineups for people, and it's great to see that. It's great that they're uh, being empowered to get vaccinated, and, and I'm glad as pharmacists we've been able to make a difference.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Which do you think, if you have to kind of prioritize uh, which vaccines you're going to get, what should you make sure that you have
2: first? It it depends on the age. So if we focus on the seniors, uh, I would, you know, I would say for sure, uh, you know, pneumococcal vaccine, I'd say shingles and flu, those three, if you could get them. Um, i think they're very important uh, uh uh definitely very important but i don't know i'm a little biased i think if if you have access to the vaccinations why wouldn't you get them right like um it, it, you I see patients all the time that get shingles and it's re- and it's not just a rash. It's very painful and they yeah. come in and they're like, John, I wish I l- listened to you and got my vaccine because this thing is, you know, I've been suffering with it for six months because sometimes the rash will go away. The pain is still there, right? So um, if you're a senior and you're at risk, I would say uh, get your shingles vaccine as well. It's very important.
1: Okay, very good advice, nice. John Papastergio, trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Thank you so much.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one.